listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast, run by Doris. Hi everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Bridging the Gap podcast, run by Doris. My name's Amy, and today I'm with Tim, who works in cybersecurity um, at the Co-op Group, which is where we are today in this amazing building. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, Helen, how are you doing? <laughs> and uh, it'd be great if you could share with the audience a little bit about who you are, where you've come from, and how you ended up in that chair there opposite me, asking you all the questions. Yeah, of course. So uh, my name's Tim. I work as a vulnerability specialist, which means I look for particular flaws in computer systems that hackers might exploit. Um, so I've worked in information security, or infosec, as most people tend to call it, for seven years. Well, the cool people call it that. Not sure about cool, of but some people call it. I am now one because you, <laughs> I didn't know you used to know much about it and now I feel like I do Good. a bit more. <laughs> That's the idea, educate. Um, so I've worked in InfoSec for seven years now, so pretty much all the time in vulnerability stuff. So I started as just an IT security analyst, uh, then I got a couple of promotions, so I moved to a senior analyst and now I'm a vulnerability specialist, so generally just the vulnerability stuff. Have you always been here or have you moved around? Uh, no, so I spent quite a significant period of time working for a large defence contractor uh, and then I've worked at the co-op for the past seven months, I think it is, nearly eight months. And what kind of qualifications or degree level uh, knowledge did you have to have to get those jobs? Like You said you started as an IT security analyst. Some mm-hmm. people are probably listening and thinking, how do you just walk into a job like that? And I'm sure you're saying it wasn't that easy. Uh, no, sorry, so I did leave some stuff out there. So uh, my degree was in computer science and software engineering. Mm-hmm. So I spent the first, uh, probably, I'm adding it up in my head, I think the first six years working as a software engineer. Yeah. So doing sort of Unix shell scripts and writing Java and C++. Um, I'd always kind of had a background interest in security. And so when a security role came up, I applied for it and just, I suppose based on my software knowledge and just general computing knowledge, the kind the person that gave me a job probably took a punt on me and you know mm-hmm. that that's how I got into the initial job. It takes that at the beginning for someone mm-hmm. to just see something and go, Yeah, I'll give them a go and just Well take So that. I'd kind of been an analyst in the role before, so we had to analyse problems with people's software and it, it was kind of only one very small step removed from yeah. security stuff. Um, so I guess it wasn't too much of a leap of faith to give me that job, I suppose. But then, so that was my first security job. Then since been in this job, I've done a number of IT security courses, um, which, yeah, like you say, have led me to where I am now. Could you have done it, do you think, without that degree? Because there'll be people wanting to get into it that don't necessarily have the degree. How much of it was you took from direct stuff you learned in your course to mm-hmm. learn at home? I read, you sent me the, a link to a really great article this afternoon, um, that which said that 80% of ethical hackers or hackers uh, in the security industry were self-taught and only 6% say they actually learn what they use in their job, uh, they actually learn in a classroom. Yeah, so I'm trying not to give away how old I am now. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <People>. <laughs> Very old. Um, so, so when I did my degree, security was still kind of a thing, but you wouldn't have found any security courses and degrees at that yeah. time. Um, generally, you've only found security as part of degrees in the last sort of four or five years. Mm. Um, but you're right, so there is a big argument that rages on InfoSec Twitter. I say InfoSec Twitter, obviously Twitter's for everyone. <laughs> but there are absolutely corners of it, so there is quite a strong InfoSec community on Twitter, yeah. uh, which I guess I'll come back to in a minute. But there's a big argument that rages on there in terms of, do you need a degree or can you get by with vocational courses? Um, to be honest, I don't know the answer. I know 
I've worked with some people that don't have a degree and yeah. have just worked in other unrelated fields and done lots of infosec stuff. Um, I've worked with some people that have got degrees in computer science like myself and then done infosec. It's, it's kind of a mixed bag really. Mm. Some do, some don't. Which is the best way and that's what we always say at Doris, we're getting young people in but you can't do that without the really experienced people mm -hmm. and it's about the fusion of all these different experiences that produces the best team. Well one of the things, I'd, it might have said an article I sent you, um, security is quite a broad church and it, it requires quite, quite a lot of creativity to look at problems in different ways so mm. you know sometimes you do get different perspectives help to solve problems. The creativity thing is interesting because I don't think anyone would go cyber security, oh, such a creative industry, but there's aspects of that in all um, different job roles and, and different industries. How is cyber security a creative environment? So if other infosec people listen to this, so probably, <laughs> this is sacrilege I suppose, but um, <laughs> There's parts of infosec that, yeah, you're right, probably aren't so much about that. Yeah. But then other parts of infosec, so, so obviously I work in vulnerability stuff and I have done for a long time, so most of what I say is, is about that really. Mm. Um, in terms of vulnerability stuff and hacking stuff, effectively what it is, um, a lot of it is to do with creativity. So you might find a bug and I might not figure out a way to exploit that bug, whereas someone with a background in music, for example, might, because their head thinks slightly differently. Oh. Uh, whereas someone in... I don't know, someone from a maths background might figure out a different way to exploit it because it's just a different set of backgrounds. If you, if you look at something, if the only tool you've got is a hammer, you're going to think everything needs hammering, if you see what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. so that's, uh, yeah, d different ways of looking at a problem and different ways of solving problems, I think. Yeah, so in terms of the different skills that you need, mm -hmm. and obviously this podcast is called Bridging the Gap, what the research suggests from people like Accenture and Gartner and the government um, is that in the UK we don't have enough people with cybersecurity skills to bridge this gap in order to maintain our position in the market as yep. a country um, and to develop people and bring people into the sector. What are your views on that skills shortage and have you experienced it yet because obviously you've come in um, and built your career over the past seven years which is not actually that long ago and like no. you said that's because the industry right now is the biggest it's ever been and is only gonna grow have you experienced a skills gap or a shortage yet um i suppose i haven't because i'm not in a sort of hiring manager position so it's yeah. not it's not something i've seen i mean if you go and look on LinkedIn or Indeed or any other big job sites, mm -hmm. you know, there are literally hundreds of infosec jobs. Yeah. So th there are always jobs out there. Um, so it, it's not, if you, my boss would hate me saying this, um, if you left today, you could probably find a job somewhere else quite <laughs> easily with, you know, the re right sort of skills. Yeah. So it's definitely a buyer's market at the moment, I would say. And what about for people who don't have the skills yet? Because like you said, there's hundreds <coughs> of jobs out there, mm -hmm. but most of them probably have a minimum two years experience or even yeah. minimum five years experience, especially in some of the uh, ones that I looked at in research in this podcast. It, there was even like minimum 10 years experience in security for some of these. I'm like, who's got, who's got that now? Not in true cybersecurity that people are working in now. The, ro the roles have changed so much. It's another common joke in inverted commas you see on infosec twitter you'll have like 
junior analyst position requires two years experience yeah. it's like well the two don't really go together nope. um <coughs> it, it, it's something you see a lot unfortunately i mean you spoke before about not having a degree so there's loads of resources out there where you can learn infosec skills mm. without needing to go on a course even just doing it yourself and self-teaching now personally if you found somebody at that level that was very good at those things and i would say they're worth looking at and worth thinking yeah, about absolutely and 50% of IT managers, I think this was uh, from the Cloud Tech blog site, which is just a, a blog site which I follow, said that they're not ready to adopt new technologies because of the lack of knowledge. So what areas are you developing in your skill set at the minute? Um, what's going on in your uh, team that you're excited about or uh, what's going on in the industry right now? Um, so when I said I'm a vulnerability specialist, so um, I focus mainly on what's called penetration testing, which is the act of you pay a professional or a professional company and you basically say to them, come and hack us. Um, and then they get to stay with you for a week or sit with you for a week um, and they'll try as many ways as they can think of to hack you. Mm. Go back to that creativity thing from earlier. Mm. So sometimes it's as simple as sending you a dodgy email um, and then they've got to word the email right, make it look right, all the rest of it to get inside your network. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of it, I, I say this quite often to people, so pen testers are great in terms of knowledge for hacking into things. It's at the end of it, what they actually get paid for is writing the report, because it's a report that tells a story and tells you what to then go and fix. Yeah. Um, and if you can't write the report, there's no point doing the test in the first mm -hmm. place. Um, I've realised I've not answered the question you asked me. So in, <laughs> in terms of our team, so the best thing coming up for me in the next few months, I'm going to be doing a course, uh, again, all about offensive security. Um, there's loads of stuff out there in terms of offensive security. Um, at the minute, I'm currently taking part in what's called a capture flag exercise, right. which is where it's a free resource. There's plenty out there. Um, it's associated with a conference that's going on at the moment, and they just put up little hacking challenges, and you get points for each one you solve. Uh, and then at the end, you declare a winner. I don't actually know what the prize is on this one, but mm -hmm. you know, it's it's just fun all the same and keeps yeah. you busy. And do you think that is um, as an industry? Do you think? you're focused on the right things. Do you think you're focused on people or technologies or uh, planning for the future? Um, I mean, I guess again, so, so in the course of researching for this chat, um, I had a look at the GCHQ's website. So they do something called Cyber First. Mm -hmm. You see quite a lot of these things where big industry players like GCHQ or NCSC uh, are helping to engage you know, young children, so school children, primary school age, and just teaching them really basic stuff like how to code with Raspberry Pis, maybe teaching them a little bit about security. Again, NCSC have got um, bursaries for cybersecurity degrees at the minute and apprenticeships. Right. So I think it's recognised that there is a bit of a gap and they are definitely taking steps to try and solve it and yeah. to try and make it better. Um, I don't know when we might see that, maybe 10, 15 years, but again, um, unfortunately, yeah, it's not something I have much visibility of at the moment. So what else? Um excites you about the industry at the minute whether that's internally or events in the city or anything else i guess it's always changing it never stays the same yeah, so um, just this week there was a new vulnerability released which i won't go into the boring technical details but <laughs> essentially you could take over a unix system with it and it was just a really simple coding error that someone made like 20 years ago and no one had picked up on for 20 years and then suddenly, some days, one realise, hang on a minute, if you do this. Um, and you, you see that quite often. If you look back over the past five or six years, there's been a few of those. And that's kind of why I like it. There's always new attacks coming out. There's always new things to defend against. It's, it's just a, 
you never stand still there's always something new to learn I guess mm -hmm. what else have you found in your research that you think you think would be good to share uh, so recently I did a talk at a security conference called B-Sides, which is a free conference that anybody can go to. Oh, cool. And is that in Manchester? Or? Uh, so they have B-Sides all over the world. Right. So B-Sides, th there's quite a lot of big um, InfoSec conferences. So there's Black Hat and DEF CON, and they're both in Vegas every year. <laughs> but they're very um, corporate, uh, so goes yeah. the thing. And so some people... In Vegas? Still quite still In corporate. Vegas. I've, n I've not managed to get expenses to clear it yet. <laughs> um, Alongside that, some people decided to make one called B-Sides, which was all volunteer-led, and it was mm. the same sort of talks. And B-Sides started quite small, and then now there are B-Sides all over the world. Wow. So there's a B-Sides in Newcastle uh, towards the end of next month. There's one in Cardiff last month. Uh, Manchester's the last week of August, I think it is, every year. Yeah. Uh, so I recently presented at that one, which oh, you can wow. find on YouTube, um, <laughs> all about something called Juice Shop. So Juice Shop is an intentionally vulnerable web application. So people put these things out there as training exercises. Uh, and the idea of this thing is it's intentionally vulnerable and you have to go and hack it. And then you, you show how you hacked it. And then the idea of it is to learn, you know, common pitfalls and how you can then go and fix them. Sharing knowledge and best exactly. practice. And that's really good. So is it all an online forum or that, um, that particular application? So, so Juice Shop is um, made by a group called OWASP who are the open, I'm going to get this right, it's the Open Web Application Security Project. Okay. Uh, and their <laughs> job is to educate people and show the sorts of common vulnerabilities. Mm. Um, and it, it's, just a, it's just a download. So it's something they've made available. You go to their website and download it, and then you, you do it in your own time on your own computer or whatever. Oh. And so what was what other kind of talks were going on at B-Sides? Oh, there's all sorts every year. So, um, the year. so I've been every year for the past several years. Yeah. I'm just trying to think back to what other talks I went to. So there's one all about what we call in the industry red teaming. So when I spoke for about penetration testing, which is trying to break into um, a computer system, red teaming is sort of a bit more all-encompassing. So as a red team, you might be trying to break into the entire building. So commonly you'd be set an objective, like um, get a piece of paper off the CEO's desk or something. And then they have to do the physical element. So they'll have to get into the building and then they'll have to get into the network and all that. So there's lots of talks about red teaming and stories of why it's not got, gone quite right. Uh, common mistakes have made, again, helping the community learn to get better. Um, what other talks did I go to? I went to a talk about AWS, which is Amazon Web Services. It's a common uh, platform for hosting web services now. And it, there was a talk there about a lot of different misconfigurations you can make that might lead it to be insecure. Mm. Uh, and again, a little CTF around that that teaches you them. I, I think the thing is generally, it's, it's really good. You'll learn a lot in a day. Mm. Um, it's a busy day, but it is a very good day. So you should go if you can. And who's the target audience for that? People that are already in the industry and have got some experience? A bit of both, really. So, when I, so, so before I presented my talk, I was kind of worried that it'd be a bit too simplistic for the audience mm. at B-Sides. So I, I said to the organiser, are you sure you really want me to present this? <laughs> they said, no, no, it's fine, because you know they'll get people like myself who have been in the industry for a while and who have some quals, and they get a lot of people who perhaps aren't in InfoSec or are looking to break into it. And they were like, well, okay. So every year they do something called the rookie track. So they have four rooms usually with talks going on all four at once. Mm. And then they have the rookie track and the talks are only half an hour and generally it's for people that have never presented at B-Sides before. Uh, and it's sort of flagged that these talks might be, you know, 
not quite as good quality or might not quite cover the same level of detail. Yeah, it's like practice. Uh, exactly, practice yeah. stage or something. Um, yeah. and, and maybe, you know, it, it's for beginners to watch a talk as well if you're yeah. not. You know. So they put my talk in there and I got some good feedback and there's lots of other talks in there that, you know, were basic sort of technical skills. So you get a whole range of people going, I suppose. And in terms of diversity in the industry, especially mm -hmm. in InfoSec, because there are quite a few barriers whether that's uh, the type of degree you've got, or like you said, the a junior developer need a junior security analyst needing two years experience, yeah. uh, experience barriers. Um, ha, did you experience any, or can you see any, and any ways that people are trying to work around them, or or, or attract more people into the industry? Because Accenture estimate that there'll be three point five unfilled cybersecurity jobs by twenty twenty one. So that must mean that the industry is doing something a little bit wrong in attracting people mm -hmm. and getting people with the right skills to come to the industry. Can you like share a bit of light on that or do you know why? Um, I mean, I can't think of any particular reason why you would, mm. wouldn't have people from all sorts of areas. I'm, I suppose maybe I've been lucky. Both InfoSec teams I've worked and I've had you know, a decent cross-section of people from yeah. all walks of life really. It's not not something I don't think I've ever experienced myself. Yeah. Um, That's really good because I think a lot of people would think, oh, that it might just be a certain type of person or uh, that would work in it. But if you're saying that's not the case, that even just talking about the fact that it's a really diverse community to work in is going to attract more people. Yeah, no, I mean, again, if you look at InfoSec Twitter, that's, again, it's very diverse. Certainly from the research I've done, I think it's an acknowledged problem that you know, there seems to be a bit of a struggle recruiting people into a second yeah. minute. And I think that's just because it's new. Like I said, when I did my degree, which was over 10 years ago, um, it, it certainly wasn't a feature. Cybersecurity wasn't mentioned in any degree programs. Yeah. Whereas now it is in, you know, pretty much most undergraduate computer security programs. Mm -hmm. Or you I, can just do a cybersecurity degree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the amount of free resources out there is amazing. So um, because I'm quite sad, I do tend to do a lot of InfoSec <laughs> stuff at home in the evening. Um, and, and you know it's good fun it's very engaging it keeps you interested I, I, as I said I think the, the only reason there's a skill shortage really is because it's new maybe maybe once people cotton onto it and say it's a good place to work it's something good to do then more people go into the industry I, mm. in some ways that's a blessing on the course but you know it, it's a good thing really I think if you advertised that there was an annual conference in Vegas that you could get absolutely. to go to that might attract more yeah, people no, absolutely. to come and work it's always a busiest conference yeah. <laughs> definitely um, well, it's been really interesting to chat to you, hear about your experiences uh, and hear about different ways that you can self-develop to, to secure a position in the industry. So thank you very much for joining us. No, you're welcome. It's been fun. Please listen again next time on the Bridging the Gap podcast.